you have your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We're going to finish today a sermon series about renewing your mind. And today we're going to deal with the goal of renewing your mind, which is transformation. Today is Family Sunday, so we won't be dismissing for Children's Church, but we do have our live feed up and running down the hall. And so if you have kids that get restless, we do have a large screen uh, down the hall that you can uh, watch service live there. I'm going to talk to you today about transformation. Let's look together at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let us pray. Father, I ask now that you would have your way with us, Lord, in this service. We thank you, God, for all that you're doing. And God, we are excited, Lord, to be part of a ministry, Lord, that you are alive and well in, that lives are being changed, that people are being active about their faith. And Lord, we ask God this morning that you would speak to our hearts. God, we pray that you would transform us. I ask God that you would anoint me this morning to preach in the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. I pray, God, for these children, Lord, that are in here this morning, the young ones, Father, that, God, today they would sense Your Spirit speaking to them. And, God, that they would hear You, Lord, in the depth of their soul. And, God, that today they would be changed as well. Lord, I pray that change would come off, Lord. I pray that the light bulb would would come on, Lord, in the hearts and minds of somebody here this morning that has been trapped, God, in pain and depression and despair. And, God, that we pray for transformation. I ask that you would anoint me with the unction of heaven this morning to preach your word in the power and in the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. And Father, we just ask that you would have your way with us this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Transformation, not confirmation. That's the goal. God wants to transform you. He wants to transform me. He is in the transformation business. I heard it said the other day, I can't even remember where, it just caught my attention, about the movie Transformers and how it's such a hit and how people go out and watch them. I personally have not watched the Transformers, but they made the statement, could you imagine how many people would flock to the show if it was called Conformers? Not very many. Because that sounds boring. Transformers is cool. Transformers is exciting. And the reality is that God wants to transform us. Understanding transformation means that you were once something, but now you're something else. What you have to know about being transformed, the Bible says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed. You cannot do both simultaneously. You cannot conform and then transform at the same time. It's either one or the other. The problem with so many people is that they want to conform on certain areas of their life. They want to conform to certain things that this world says they need in order to have peace and joy and meaning and purpose. While on the other hand, they want to pray that God transforms their life and does all these great things in their life. 
And the truth is, you cannot do both at the same time. Either you're being conformed to the ways of this world, or you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's how we're transformed. By the renewing of the mind. Here's what I want you to see this morning about transformation. Transformation takes place inwardly. The mind, as we've already discussed in the context of renewing your mind, it's not just changing your brain. It's changing the way that you think in the depth of your heart. It's your part of your soul. It is who you are at your core. Paul talks about the inner man. Real transformation starts inside. You're never going to be transformed by changing all the stuff that's around you. Your life is not going to be transformed when you finally get a boyfriend, when you finally get a new job, when you finally make more money, when your husband finally wakes up, when your wife finally starts treating you like you should be treated, when your children finally come home. All of these external things that you think are what's causing you to be depressed and to be discouraged and to have no will to live for God and and to go in the wrong direction. All of these external things that you think are what's causing you to be in despair and in pain is not really the source of it. You've got to understand this morning that the power to change is there if you will put your faith in God, quit blaming everything else around you for your actions, look inward and realize it's the inner man that needs to change. I can be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Change that transforms us is internal. It's not external. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That's Proverbs 23 and 7. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. See, the heart, that that part of our soul, the emotional part of us, Notice, it thinks. Clearly, the Bible's teaching us about the inner man. So, transformation is the goal. You cannot be transformed simultaneously as you are being conformed to the world. You're going to have to get get it settled in your mind, get it settled in your heart, get it settled in the depth of your soul. I will not conform to the ways of this world. I will believe God. I will trust God. I will follow God. And I will be transformed in the process. It happens by the renewing of your mind. Your head will lead you. Your body will never go anywhere without your head. Your head always leads you. Your head will lead you. Get it in your soul this morning. Get it in your heart this morning. You realize it's how you came into this world, head first? You think God did that by accident? That's how you come into this world. It teaches us that everything that we do, it really starts here. It's how affairs start. Here. Your head will lead you. You've got to get your thinking straight. You've got to get your inner man right. You've got to get your heart right. Because what you think is eventually what you will become. It is what you will do. Every affair that has ever happened started here. It's how drug addiction starts. That's how alcohol addiction starts. It is a truth that we've got to get settled 
Your head will lead you. What you think and how you think and how you believe will control the way that you live. It will control the path that you're on. It will, it, if you tell me what you think, you tell me how you feel, you tell me th- the way that you believe, I can tell you where you'll be a year from now. Because your head leads you. Now this is bad news if you allow your head to lead you and your thinking isn't straight. Most people are led by their urges. They are led by their desires. Whatever I feel, that's what I'm going to do. The prodigal son was led by his urges. He knew what was right. He knew what was true. He was raised up in a good home. He had a father that loved him. He had, a, he had an inheritance that was his. Everything, I mean, for the most part, he looked like he had it good. But he had urges. That he decided, I'm going to let what I feel, what I want, control my life, control my destiny. He went to the Father. He said, Father, I want everything that's mine and I want it now. I don't like the idea of having to wait on it. You see, this is one of the things we have to understand about our urges, about our sinful nature. It wants and it wants it now. It doesn't care about later. It only wants what feels best now. It wants what feels right now. It wants what looks like fun now. It doesn't worry about the consequences. It doesn't think about tomorrow. It doesn't think about the destruction that it will cause to your family if you get into this affair. It doesn't think about the respect that you will lose from your children if you make this poor decision. Your urges and your desires simply say it feels good now and I want it now. This was the prodigal son. He was led by his urges. He spent all of his money. He spent all of his time. He spent up his inheritance and he spent up his life. That's what your urges will do. If you don't learn to get your thinking straight and to bring your thoughts into the subjectivity of Christ and to capture them and to say, I will not be led by my sinful urges. If you don't learn to do it, you will spend everything you have. It will destroy you. It will take your life because our desires, they spend us. That's what they do. They don't save up for the future. They don't invest in what's best for our life. They don't invest for what's best for the family. Our desires are instinctive, based, sinful desires. We want to spend. We want it now. And we want it any way that we can get it. Our desires take and use for temporary pleasures. And as he followed his urges, he spiraled downward. Your urges will take you downward. He spiraled downward. His life got worse, and his life got worse, and it got worse day after day. It all looked like fun at first, and then all of a sudden when he ran out of money, guess what? The Bible tells us he's in the pig pen. All of his friends weren't there anymore. Because he had used up everything he had, and they had used him up, and there was nothing else he had to offer. And there he is in the pig pen. Spiraling downward and downward and downward. Why? Because his Thinking was wrong. Because he thought he knew better than the Father. Because he thought that, that, that the, the, the righteous way of the Father and, 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 and living life by the way his Father had, had, had taught him to righteously live, it didn't sound appealing to him. It didn't sound 
fun to him. And he was convinced, like every one of us who go out into sin, he was convinced that he could go out, do his thing, and come out unscathed. But the truth is, he spiraled downward, it got worse, it got worse, and it got worse. I'm here to tell you this morning, if you don't quit living by your urges, if you don't quit living by your desires, your life will only get worse, it will only spiral downward. And I have no doubt he prayed all the way down. Can I get real with you this morning? Do I have your attention yet? I've watched people come in, oh, pray for me, pray for me, pray, 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 and they pray themselves all the way down. Because you can pray all that you want, but until you change your mind and change your life, God is not going to bless your disobedience. You can't go and hang out where you shouldn't be and date people you shouldn't date and live ways you shouldn't live and then ask God over here, oh God, please make me happy. You have got to repent of that foolishness. You've got to quit being led by your desires and be willing to come up out of that world. And finally, he was there with pigs. Think about it. He was there with pigs. At this stage in his life, that's where he was comfortable. With pigs. You see, where you're comfortable at will tell you a lot about who you are. Now, he's like all of us. I'm sure he blamed everybody else. I bet he's even mad at his father at the time. Mad at his friends. His whole world ain't going right. But the truth is, he was there with pigs because that's where he was comfortable being. Where are you comfortable at? Who are you comfortable being around? He left the father's house to ultimately live with the pigs. What are the things you leave the father's house for? I'm sure that most of you don't want me to go there this morning, but I think I will anyways. The things people leave the church for blow my mind. The flippant relationship that many people have with the Father's house, with the meeting place of the saints, with where the Bible tells us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, the flippant way that most people view that portion of their life is disgusting. And the reason, most of the time, the reason that people are gone in a way are not reasons at all, but excuses. He left the Father's house, ultimately to live with the pigs. Where you spend your money and your time really tells the priorities of your life. You can tell me that you love God all day long and He's the most important thing in your life, but where you spend your money and where you spend your time really tells me the priorities of your life. I could tell about everything that I need to know about you and where you really stand and what you really believe and your relationship to God if this morning you would hand me two things. Your cell phone and your checkbook. I could tell. A lot about you. Who you hang out with. Where you're comfortable at. 
How you spend your time and how you spend your money really tell us the truth about your priorities. Now listen to me. I'm not trying to make you feel bad this morning. I'm trying to reach somebody that really wants to be transformed. I'm trying to help shine light into that heart, into that man, into that woman that says, I've wanted to be transformed. I've wanted to be changed. I want to be who God wants me to be. I want to walk in power. I want to walk in authority. But I haven't been able to do it. I look at everybody else and I see them do it. And I think, God, how come I can't do it? I'm trying to help you, my friend, understand transformation happens when the mind changes and we come into alignment with God's way of thinking. Now, your head will lead you. Down or up? You know the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15 is where you'll find it. It doesn't end there. His life does not end in the pig pen. Now, a lot of times we've got to get to the pig pen. We've got to get to the rock bottom. It's not until we're there that we finally wake up and realize, you know what? I'm kind of a fool. I don't know what's best for me. My father knew what was right. There was a reason that he said I needed to wait. He knew I couldn't handle all of the funds at one time. Now, I thought I could, and I thought he was foolish, but now I see he was right and I was wrong. Sometimes we all have to get to that place before we ever really have a change of mind. But here's what I want you to see. The Bible tells us the prodigal son, when the story's all said and done, he's got the father's robe on, he's got the father's ring on, they're having a party because he's home. The father has killed the fatted calf. Everything is well. He is restored. His life is good. But what happened that got him there? What happened that transformed the prodigal son's life? What happened that took a man from living in the pig pen to living in the Father's house with the Father's robe, with the Father's ring, eating the padded calf, the best one the Father had to offer. What happened in that transformation process? Here's what I want us to see. And I pray this morning somebody gets this in the depth of your soul. Nothing changed around him. Nothing. He was still in a far country. He was still with the pigs. He was still broke. He was still abandoned by his friends. He was still distant from the Father. Nothing changed around him. His circumstances did not change one bit. The Bible says he came to himself. His mind changed. And until you understand it's not your circumstances that need to change, it's your mind that needs to change, you will never start to head back up to where God wants you to be because transformation happens by the renewing of our mind. You want to stop drinking alcohol? It's going to start right here. That's where it's going to start. Your head will lead you. You want to stop overeating? It's going to start right here. You want to stop sexual promiscuity? It's going to stop right here. You want to stop being trapped in debt? It's going to start right here. You have to, you have to begin with your head. You've got to get it in your mind and in the depth of your soul. This is the direction that I'm going to be going. And all of the sudden, in the pig pen, all of the sudden, he has wasted everything that he had. He has nothing. You ever felt like you had nothing? He has nothing. He's in a far country. He's away from home. He's forsaken his father. His friends have abandoned him. And all of a sudden like that, his entire life begins to change. 
Why? Because he had a different perspective of the same situation. He had a different perspective of the same situation. He began to think, you know what? Hold on a second. Wait a second. My life is not hopeless. Because there is a constant in my life that hasn't changed. There's a Father who loves me. There's a Father who's faithful. And I know Him. I've known Him. I I was raised by Him. He's faithful. He's merciful. He's gracious. And if He's good to His servants, how much more will He be good to me, His Son, if I just return home? And, And His perspective of the same situation began to change. Most people think the way that they see it is the only way to see it. Most people think the way that they see it is the only way to see it. I have a, an example here this morning to illustrate this point. Yesterday I spent some time with Danny and I was telling him I don't use illustrations. You guys can testify. This is like the first one I've used in many years. God gave me this illustration last night. My wife got home from shopping at Walmart, which she does at all hours. I think it was 11 o'clock. She just gets the Walmart bug and has to go. She walked in the garage, and I was making this to illustrate a point. Most people think their perspective is the only perspective that is right. And so we have this situation before you. Most of you can see the situation. But I want to ask two volunteers at this time to tell me about the situation. We need to know, is the situation black or is it white? That's all that really matters. And so I'm going to ask someone that's on the front row with a clear view. We're talking 15 feet here. Branson, is the situation black or is it white? It's all black. Nothing but black. I'm going to ask over here, Lori, you're the furthest on this direction. You're about the same distance. Is the situation black or is it white? It's all white, she says. Now, how can that be? How can you have two people in the same room looking at the same thing that's in the same location? He says it's black. She says it's white. Now, here's what I want you to do real quick. Just just humor me for a moment. Would you get up and walk over and trade places with her? And would you come to this side and trade places with him? Now what color is the situation? All black. Now what color is the situation? So you're telling me that you can simply move from one location to the other and look at this thing at a different angle... And all of a sudden, you see it a different way. Maybe the problem is, too often, we refuse to get up and look at it like God says we ought to look at it. And we decide, I'm not going to move, I'm not going to budge, I'm going to sit right there in that seat, and until you come over here and join me and agree with me that my life is black, that everything is dark, that nothing's going to work right, until you come over here and see from my perspective, you'll never get it. And I'm saying, friend, brother, sister, I'm not saying that at times it doesn't look dark. What I'm trying to tell you is 
There is a God in heaven. You have a Father who loves you. And there's more to this story than what you see. And if you learn to step back and let your mind be renewed and look at this thing through the lens of heaven and through the lens of God's Word, you'd find out it's not all black. There's some white in the picture and God is in control. You've got to be willing to challenge your perception. You've got to be willing to challenge your perception. If you're going to be transformed, you've got to be willing to honestly look inward and challenge your perception. Am I only trying to see this through my way, through my lens, and am I just trying to convince the whole world it's this color? It's hard to pastor somebody, it's hard to counsel somebody, and it's hard to help somebody up who's already made up their mind. This is the color. I don't care what you're telling me over here. Now, you've got to allow the truth to transform you. Maybe it is your perception of your situation that's making you miserable. And it's not really the situation at all. Maybe it is your perception of your marriage that makes you want out. I'm talking about being transformed this morning. I'm trying to be as real with you as I can as your pastor. And I hope somebody that really wants to find transformation will open your ears at this moment and just listen to me for a bit. Maybe it's your perception of your job that's making you miserable. And it's not really your job at all. Maybe it's your perception of your singleness that's making you miserable. And it's not really the singleness at all that's making you miserable. We've got to be willing to challenge our perception. We've got to be willing to go to God and say, God, help me to see this thing how you see it. Help me to understand it how you understand it. God's perspective of the situation is never the same perspective of the world. On one hand, the world says if you're going to have peace, if you're going to have joy, if you're going to have purpose, you've got to have a boyfriend, you've got to have a girlfriend, you've got to have this in your marriage, you've got to have a good job, you've got to have money, you've got to have wealth, you've got to have a nicer car, you've got to have a nicer home. And the world says if you want to find, if you really want to feel like life means something, you've got to have all of this. Over here, God says, no, uh-uh, don't get your thought on those things. I'm telling you, you're just a pilgrim in this world. Those things will never, ever actually give you peace. They'll break down. They're only temporary. You put your faith in a boyfriend, he's going to leave you eventually. And then your, your whole world's going to fall apart. You put your faith in wealth, eventually you're going to get laid off and find out that you're not going to have the money you thought you were going to have. God says, I'm the only constant. I'm the one that's in control. And above all this petty, piddly stuff over here that the world wants you to focus on, God says over here, you've got an eternal home. You've got a purpose that's eternal. And your sins have been forgiven through Christ. You've got every reason to rejoice. You've got every reason to feel like you belong. You've got every reason to know that you are important and that your life matters. On one hand, we're persecuted. On the other hand, we're not forsaken. We're crushed. And we're pressed, but not crushed. You know, we're being hurt and harmed over here, but God's protecting us and holding us up over here. It's all about perspective. And real transformation comes through letting our mind be renewed. It doesn't come by us waiting and asking God to change everything that's going on around us. The world's not going to change, brothers and sisters. The message of the world isn't going to change. And so you can wait your whole life 
for your world to change around you and be depressed and be in the pig pen and live outside of God's will for your life and never know the real peace and the joy that God can offer. You can live your whole life that way. It won't change until you realize Real change starts in here. Transformation starts in here. And I can be more than a conqueror. I can be more than a conqueror no matter what I face, no matter what comes my way, no matter what tomorrow holds. I serve the God who holds the future and my life is in His hands. The Bible says, whatsoever things are true. We looked at that passage last week. Think on these things. Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are true. I guess that depends on what side of the room you're sitting. I guess that depends on what perspective you're willing to look at. Whatsoever things are true. The only way you're going to be transformed is understanding there is a dual message in this world. There is a dual message. There's the message of the world on one hand. There's the message of God on the other. And you're going to have to be able to look at both perspectives and decide what am I going to believe and what will control my life. And am I going to transform my, my mind, renewing it on God's Word and renewing it on what is pure and renewing it on, his, on, on what is shining? Or am I going to focus on what is dark and am I going to focus on what is painful? But you are all of us, me, you, your neighbor, your husband, your wife, your children, you, all of us face this dilemma. There's not one person in here that's exempt from it. None of us are exempt from it. No wonder Paul said whatever's true. That's what I want you to think of. It's not true that you can't be happy without a boyfriend. And until you get that lie out of your heart and out of your mind, you'll be controlled by it. It's not true. That you can't have peace and joy and be excited about life unless you have X amount of dollars. You've got to get that out of your mind, out of your heart. You've got to take that thought captive. You've got to come over here and say, nope, I'm going to look at this thing from God's perspective. Now here's the reality. The choice is yours. The choice is yours. You can have a new car, you can have a new job, you can have a new boyfriend, you can have a new home, you can have a new girlfriend, you can have a new wife, you can have a new husband, you can have a new year and be the same old you in the same old life. Because new life only comes from a new mind. Two things quickly and I'm done. Don't be afraid of change. Don't be afraid of change. Most people are afraid of what they don't know. And they say they want to come out of dysfunction, and they say they want to come out of depression, and they say they want to come out of despair, and they say that they want transformation. But they've lived there so long, they're comfortable there. Now, I hate it here, but I'm comfortable here. I know what to do. I know what today's going to be like. I don't have to wonder. I know. But it's going to be terrible. It's not going to be fun. I'm going to wake up next to pigs. It's going to stink here. And I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be angry. But I'm comfortable here because I know how to live here. 
Hey, if you're ever going to be transformed, you've got to get the courage in the depth of your soul to say, I might not know what it looks like to live over here, but I know that my God does not want me to stay discouraged, to stay anxious, to stay fearful, to stay in my pain, and I'm going to trust my God that if I come this direction step by step, and I believe His Word, and I renew my mind, that in that moment He'll show me how to live the transformed life. You've got to quit being afraid of what you don't know. You've got to quit being afraid of transformation. You've got to be willing to come up out of your comfort zone. If you're going to go to the land of transformation, it's a whole, it's a whole new life. It's a whole new way of thinking. It's God's way of thinking. It's, it's stepping into peace and joy and, 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 and victory, even in the midst of a world of chaos. And in order to go from here to here, you've got to get some courage about you that says, I'm going to be willing to make this fight. I'm going to stick this thing out. I'm going to have my mind renewed. And I'm not just going to stay here because I'm comfortable here. Don't be afraid of change. Here's what I want you to see this morning. Transformation sounds exciting. Hear me now. I'm so close to being done. And done with this series and we're moving on. I'm giving you the meat of it and I'm giving you the heart of it now. Transformation sounds exciting, don't it? I mean, that's why we go watch Transformation, Transformers. You can tell I'm a big fan of it. I am a big fan of God's transformation. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? It's not. Not at all. I'm just going to tell you the truth. From my perspective, and my, it's horrible. Painful. It's, it, coming to grips with my thinking is wrong and really my, uh, my soul, the, who I am, my core, is, is really my responsibility to control my thoughts, to control how I behave. The devil's not making me drink the alcohol. The devil's not making me go out and be promiscuous. The devil's not making me constantly go into debt to try to feel better if I buy stuff. I'm doing this because I choose to. I don't like coming up to that conclusion. It's painful. But you're going to be transformed from here to there. You've got to be willing to go through it. And it's not a trip to the altar either. It's a process. God has to sometimes God has to peel layer after layer after layer after layer. And sometimes you're like, God, could you just stop? Just just let me be. And God's saying no. Because I want you to be my son, my daughter. I want my light to shine through you in such a way. I want you to know the peace and joy that my son died on Calvary's cross for you to have. And I won't stop until you're transformed into the man or woman I want you to be. And then I'm saying, okay, okay, I trust you. See, real transformation, it deals with inner stuff. It's the inner man that needs change. And I'd be lying to you if I told you it was fun. That's why most people never actually experience it. That's why most people never really move into that era of, of, of being more than conquerors in Christ. Because we don't want us to change. Real change isn't joyful. It's death to the old self. 
It's challenging. It takes courage and it takes work. This morning as our worship team comes and prepares a song of invitation, are you willing to be transformed? Are you willing to be transformed? The seed of transformation. The seed must go in the ground before it can ever produce life. It's not enough today for you to just get the seed of this thought. Holding it in your hand and saying, now I understand. That's not going to change you. The Bible speaks of the Word of God in Mark chapter 4 being the seed that is planted in the soil, which is our heart. And it has to fall on good soil. It's not enough for somebody this morning to just get an honest revelation that, you know what, this is true. I get it. I've got to renew my mind. A new car, a new life, a new everything. It won't give me happiness. It won't give me peace. It won't transform me. I'm the one that needs renewed. I'm the one that needs a new mind. You may see it this morning and you may have that seed in your hand, but unless you're willing to take that thing and honestly plant it in the depth of your heart and say, I'm going to keep this thing in here, I'm going to water this thing, and I'm going to let it produce life. Until the seed is planted, it'll never produce life. It's not enough to know. You've got to do something with what you know. God wants to transform each and every one of us. You. You. God wants to transform you. But do you want to be transformed? Do you sincerely want to be changed? Are you sincerely willing to let God give you another perspective on the matter? This morning, God wants to transform lives. All heads are bowed, all eyes are closed. Father, I believe I've said it the best way I know how. I pray, God, that You would take these words that were said and somehow make them clear in the hearts of everybody in this place. God, I pray for people right now, this moment, right now, this exact moment in time, that have been fighting transformation and have been blaming their their emotions and the way they feel on everything around them. God, I pray that they would get in the depth of their heart that everything changed for the prodigal son when he changed his perspective. God, do what only you can.